Pollock trying to steer around, picked off, centered, they score! Feather back over to Manny, splits the defense, his shot, he scores! Back in his own end, there was Shillington, hard collision, BL, centering feed, they score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. Well, welcome to the first ever Cuda Confidential Podcast. Nick Nolenberger joined alongside by Joey Goldstein, our marketing coordinator, also does pretty much about everything for the team. And we've been talking about doing this for a long time. I think it's been about a year and a half that we've talked about it. We went through a trial run last week just to kind of see, you know, if we could really get it going and see kind of where the direction it went. And, you know, we're excited to to start this up, and hopefully this will be a resource for fans and, uh, you know, people around the league to come and listen and find out all the happenings of what's going on with the San Jose Barracuda. It's been been quite the start for the team right now. They're 5-1-0-1, suffering their first loss uh, on Sunday against the Stockton. That's always tough when you have a home and road type of situation. You come off a big victory and you turn around and a 3 o'clock start and San Jose got in an early hole down 3 nothing. Did kind of get back into it with a couple middle period goals, um, but the, in the end it was just too little, too late. But there's a big milestone coming up this weekend on Friday night when the Barracuda are in San Antonio to take on the San Antonio Rampage. Captain John McCarthy, he'll play in his 500th game in the American Hockey League. He already is the all-time leader for a Sharks AHL and minor league affiliate for games played. He's a leader for the Barracuda in that category, and he's played all but 25 games uh, within the organization. So you were around Johnny Mack when you are in Worcester. I mean, he's uh, the quintessential captain. He's loved throughout this organization. He's often said um, he'll have a job with the Sharks whenever he decides he's done playing. Um, pretty exciting, though, to get to 500. We'll speak to, to Johnny Mack later in the podcast about what uh, his feelings are about getting to 500, but pretty remarkable um, to get to the 5-0-0. He is the, you know, everything you want in a hockey player. He's a great leader on the ice. He's a great leader off the ice. He's a guy, you know, in his was it ninth, tenth year, he's never, you never hear him complain about anything. He's always the first guy in. He's one of the last guys to leave. I mean, he does everything the right way, the way that you should carry yourself as a professional. I think that's important for a team that's as young as ours is this season to have a guy like Johnny Mack in the room and be that that leader and show guys how they should carry themselves uh, as professionals it, it you can't put a value on that so we've been very fortunate not only here in San Jose but all those years in Worcester where where we had that too I mean it's he's world class there's nobody better yeah absolutely I mean in for a veteran guys you touched on all the community stuff any interviews anything you need from it's never an issue it's yeah yeah sure whatever you want and whatever you need from me this guy was a seventh round pick 202nd overall that's not in the top five rounds it's not in the top three rounds there's no guarantee that you're going to carve any sort of pro career let alone get to the NHL he's played 88 games in the NHL I think you know he would admit just because of his contract situation he's on AHL deals now the NHL has passed him but his role is as valuable at the NHL level as it is here in the AHL because he's such a mentor for these young players. All the experiences that he's able to provide for them and just his calm demeanor and the way that you have to kind of carry yourself on and off the ice as a professional, there couldn't be really a better example. And, uh, you know, to get to 500 games, I think, is a remarkable thing for a guy who, you know, is not known for his goal scoring. You know, he's just, he's going to do everything right, but he's not going to wow you in his game. 
Um, but that makes him, I think, what makes him so special as, as a member of this organization. Yeah, I, he's he's essentially an extension of the coaching staff. I mean, he's been with Roy for so long that he knows the system in and out. He knows the way Roy ticks. Roy knows the way Roy knows how he ticks. So they they vibe off each other very well. Obviously, he's very close with assistant coach Jimmy Bono as well because they played together in Worcester. So there's uh, that sense of comfort is definitely there. But yeah, he's like you said, he's not going to wow you. I mean, he's only hit 20 goals once. I mean, he hit 19 goals in uh, 2016, 17 out here. But he's he's a guy who's going to lead by example and, and do things the right way. And yeah, you you can't you can't put a value on something like that. I mean, he is where no other. I don't believe there's another team in the league that has a guy who does what Johnny Mack does for this organization. And I think what was such a, a great example of how the organization felt about him was when he signed as a free agent with the St. Louis Blues. He played 25 games with the Chicago Wolves in 2014-15. And I've spoken to him about that time. And, you know, he kind of had maybe grass greener on the other side type of mentality. Wanted to see if, if I go into another organization, am I going to have a better shot at getting up to the NHL? And after maybe not fitting perfectly with uh, the Chicago Wolves and the St. Louis Blues organization, just 25 games in, the Sharks reacquired him, and he's been you know within the organization again ever since. So he's only played 25 games outside of the Sharks organization. Um, but it's just a great example of what type of player that the Sharks felt he was, what type of leader he was, to bring him back and still you know ticking here and and now into his third year as the captain with the Barracuda. Yeah, I remember being you know back in Worcester for that that year with. I guess without John for those 25 games or whatever it was. And it was, I mean, I was kind of new to the organization. So overall, I mean, you could, the people who had been there for a while, they could definitely feel the the absence. And I, I mean, I don't remember perfectly, but we did make the playoffs that year. But a big part of that was bringing John back and having that leadership in the room. I mean, he was in, in Chicago, he was doing okay. He had, eight points or so in, in those 25 games, but nothing to really write home about. And then, you know, we decided to send Adam Burrish over to Chicago, bring Johnny back, and uh, he ended up playing the last, what was it, 35 games and put up 18 points. So it definitely made an impact, and it got us into that playoff series. Unfortunately, we fell to, I believe it was Hershey in the first round, but uh, kind of set the, the precedent moving forward that this is an organization that's going to make the playoffs year over year, and that's carried you know, into moving out here to to San Jose. So Yeah, and I, I think Max got a few more years definitely left in the tank. I think he still enjoys playing the game. He enjoys coming to the rink every single day and being around these guys. You know, he's still a young guy in terms of reality and life at 32, but you start, uh, you know, you're playing in the American League and you're getting kids at 20 years of age. This is the youngest roster in the league. So that gives an example with Mac being kind of the outlier being 32, how young this team really is. But I think that, you know, the youth that these kids bring, it certainly is exciting for him. It gets them, you know, away from probably some monotony of what, uh, you know, life can bring. And um, he still doesn't really know what he wants to do following his career. I've talked to him a bit about it, you know, whether he wants to get into coaching, certainly something he's considered. Um, he's taken a couple classes during the offseason at BU, um, looking into some different careers and different kind of paths that he can take. So, so and there's plenty of things that he can do, but uh, he, I don't th think he's planning on stopping anytime soon. And it's going to be weird the day that he isn't here at the AHL yeah. in San Jose because fans, this is year number four. He's been the only consistent, him and Roy really, have been the only consistent uh, here at the AHL level. And um, again, it's going to be a few years till you, till you 
don't look down and see 17, you know, on the roster in, in a game. But, you know, it'll be weird when that day does come. Yeah. And I don't, like you said, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. I mean, this is a guy who's, like I said, he's the first one here every day. He's one of the last guys to leave. He likes being around the rink and he loves playing the game. And it, yeah, he's just not, not slowing. I mean, we're watching here at practice. He's out there leading skating drills, which I'm sure he's done millions of times you know, throughout his career. But it's a guy that just doesn't, that, that kind of thing that, that doesn't really phase him, you know? So it's, it'll be good to watch. And I'm, I'm excited to, you know, however he decides to finish his career, obviously we've said there's, I'm sure there's a job in this organization, whether he wants to coach or whether he wants to scout or do something, you know, he's so valuable to what we do here. So I can't see, uh, you know, hopefully he can make San Jose home. I know he's a Boston guy, but uh, hopefully he can, he can come out here and, and, you know, call this place his, his home for, you know, whoever knows how long. Absolutely. I think he, he enjoys going back to Boston the offseason, so that will be a good question of whether he ends up just going back home. Um, that will be to, to be determined for sure. But um, we spoke to Mac following uh, today's practice. Uh, just chatted to him about 500 games and, and what it means to him. Um, being a seventh-round pick, did he ever imagine himself playing 500 games in the American Hockey League when he first started um, back in Worcester? Um, so this is Mac and what he had to say following practice today. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, as I've talked about, I think my role's kind of changed a little bit as my career has progressed. Uh, kind of started out as a as more of a prospect, kind of up and down guy, whereas now I'm, you know, mostly just a minor league guy and, and working with the younger guys. And, uh, you know, so it's definitely different, but uh, still enjoy it. And I'm still, I still have fun coming to, coming to the rink every day. Yeah, it's been great. You know, I, I played with Jimmy for a few years and uh, we get along really well and he's been doing a great job. And as his chaser, you know, he's uh, come in here and, and uh, you know, worked with the D and, and kind of, uh, you know, straighten things out from from uh, day one so uh, you know they're both doing a great job and, and you know the uh, you know it's pretty cool that uh, you know there's not much of an age difference and you know I can I can definitely relate to them and, and I think they can relate to me and I think that's uh, that's an advantage for both of us yeah I mean uh, when I got drafted you know like you said there's no real guarantee I, I just kind of figured I would come into camp and work hard and uh, you know see what happens and that's kind of the, the way I've approached it my whole career is just kind of take it day by day I find that you know particularly when you're when you're younger and you're an up and down type of guy that the second you start planning things ahead of time things things go the opposite way so uh, you know I think it's I think it's best just to kind of come in and, and the biggest thing is just control what you can control and, and control your play and you know the decisions that are made above your head are are kind of not not really you know you, you you can all you can do is control what you can control so, um, yeah, that's kind of how I've approached it. We appreciate John uh, stepping aside and, and chatting to us a bit about uh, 500 games and that milestone that's on the horizon for him um, on Friday, which he'll reach 500 games on Friday in San Antonio against the Rampage. With another milestone just the other day, Antoine Bebo played his 150th game. Also on Friday, if John Martin cracks the lineup, will be game number 100 in his professional career. He played seven in the ECHL with the Allen Americans, so he'll play his 100th if he does crack the lineup um, um, on Friday for San Jose. Some, some milestones uh, for the guys coming up. Of course, we've had a lot of milestones over the last couple of years with head coach Roy Sommer, you know, surpassing the all-time uh, lead for wins, games coached. He won his 700th game last year. And uh, we talked to uh, Coach Sommer as well about uh, Johnny Mack and his captain reaching 500 games. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't know what we would do without him, you know, especially, you know, the last four years we moved out here to San Jose and he's been a, 
you know, a huge part of uh, the internal parts of our organization. Like, he's kind of like a, uh, he's a throwback kind of guy, but he's a, you know, a coach's player, super detailed, uh, great professionalism. Uh, you know, like, the thing that's so good about him is, like, he works his butt off, and the guys see that, and they see how he prepares, and and uh, you know we do a lot of the video stuff, and he always seems to be the highlight of it. Like, hey, this is how you take a puck off the wall, and look at our stick on our forecheck. You know, he's in there first, and you know he breaks the play up, and like his angle on this guy coming out, and you know you could do a, a whole video on the guy, and uh, the guys see that too, you know, and they see you know like his preparation and how much he loves the game, and. Uh, you know, just a real positive guy. And, you know, he's one of those guys you'd want your daughter to marry. You know, I hate to say, you know, it sounds like kind of an old cliche, but, you know, that's the type of guy he is. Do you see him, um, if he decides to, in a coaching role? I know people have talked, if he wants a job after his career, that he could have one here with the Sharks. Do you see him, you know, potentially going into that role? I could see it. I, I think he'd be a great coach. Um, you know, he's, you know, he'd, like, I ask him stuff, like, what do you think on the PP or the PK here? And, hey, what were we doing last year on this? And if I forgot, I'd just go to him, and he'd come, like, right away, oh, yeah, we did this, and, you know, this worked good, and we were going over uh, offensive face-offs. We have about six or seven different plays we run. And I go, what was that Tampa again? Did the winger come out? He goes, oh, yeah, no, the winger came over here, and the D was a little bit wider, and, I go, oh, yeah, now I remember. <laughs> so if we have questions, we go to Johnny Mack. And I think if you asked uh, Sommer on, you know, one of his favorite players he's ever coached, it would be McCarthy and the way he comes to the rink every day and the way he's an extension um, of the coaching staff on the ice. Uh, it's, you know, what, what an asset for the coaching staff to have. And now you've got a guy like Jimmy Bonner who played with Mack, knows what type of demeanor is, knows what type of leader is. And you do have that extension from Roy, who's now in year number 21, to some young coaches in Chason and Bono. And then Bono having played with McCarthy, I think that just adds the element. There's just like this seamless transition from the bench onto the ice when you have a coaching staff and then you have a guy like John McCarthy. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a funny situation because you got a guy like, like Jimmy Bono who, yes, it's his first year coaching, but because he's in with Roy and he's in Roy's system and having played for him for so long – it's it doesn't feel like he's a first year coach you know it, it, it seems like he's been around for a while and he kind of he gets and he's I mean, I've seen him interact with the guys in the locker room and he he's great with those guys as far as getting them to to react and respond to certain things um I think if anybody knows a bit about Jimmy's career it wasn't you know was not known for scoring goals he was a rough and tough kind of guy who would uh you know throw some throw some punches at you if 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 he had to stick up for a teammate or something like that. And I've heard him offer some potential boxing lessons to a few guys if, if they wanted it, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, and, and Chaser has been great too, working, working with the defense. I mean, for two guys who have never really coached before, they haven't seemed to, to miss a beat at all. And I think a lot of credit there goes to not only Joe, Will and, and Doug Wilson for bringing those guys in, but Roy's kind of, you know, showed them the ropes early to kind of, get them off the ground on the you know on the right foot 
Absolutely. So the Barracuda this weekend, as we kind of shift our attention ahead, though, travel out to Texas. They'll take on the Texas teams who, obviously, in the first three years of the AHL-specific division, this was an in-division matchup. For the first time, it'll be out of division. It'll be the first time for San Jose this year to face a couple teams outside of the Pacific division as they'll jump into the Central division. As we look at San Antonio, it'll be the matchup on Friday at the AT&T Center. The Rampage share the same building with the San Antonio Spurs. Always fun to go to that building. They do a pretty good job there as well in the Alamo City. But one question I've had or I have as I look at this at this San Antonio, their start. I mean, it's obviously been a tough start as new members of the Central Division. But Ville Husso, who's just, I mean, he was spectacular last year, in my opinion, for the San Antonio Rampage. I mean, they've really got off to a tough start. They're just 1-5. and five. They sit at the bottom of the Central Division. And I think one of the reasons, obviously, is a little bit of inexperience in the back end. But Husso is just 1-4 with a 3.24 GAA and an 8.93 save percentage. This is a guy that the St. Louis Blues have a lot of high hopes for. And it's a little bit of a similar situation to what you're seeing in Stockton. You're having some troubles uh, keeping pucks out of your own net. And obviously, that's going to be a result uh, in some losses but Husso I'm surprised on the way he's come out of the gates and obviously a little bit of a, an adjustment for San Antonio this year because last year they had half avalanche prospects and half blues prospects now it's all blues and so far it's been a little bit of a slow start out the gates yeah I feel like year over year too San Antonio has been one of those teams they either start slow or they start fast and they kind of fade and they push again strong at the end of the year but I mean just looking at their goaltending may not be the biggest issue I mean they, they've only let in they've only allowed 19 goals this year which isn't a whole lot if you look at where the rest of the Western Conference is at but they've only scored 13 and that's at the bottom not just of the Western Conference but the entire league so they're just finding having issues putting the puck in the back of the net and I think that's probably their biggest issue right now you start scoring goals you don't have you know the focus doesn't stick as much on the goaltending and the defense. I mean, if you can put pucks in the back of the net, you're going to find yourself in games and winning games. But it just seems like they haven't been able to do that. I mean, 13 goals in six games, it's just, that's not really going to get it done uh, this early on. But it is early, so it, there's definitely no need to, to panic or anything like that at, at this point. Yeah, and then there was also, you know, the, the Ryan O'Reilly trade to Buffalo, um, they sent some prospects back the other way to the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, they had some some high-end players like um, Thompson, who was a top pick, a, a kid out of Arizona, um, who is now with the Buffalo Sabres. He was in San Antonio last year. He was up and down. Um, Sammy Blay was a guy who was in San Antonio last year. He's up now with the St. Louis Blues. Um, there, so there's some good players that they were relying on last year, um, just off the top of my head, that are now out of there, at least rather up with St. Louis, or they were shipped out of town in that O'Reilly trade. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Joey, it, it's clearly made a difference. 13 goals scored. I mean, San Jose last year was dead last in goals scored. They still found a way to make the playoffs. Surprisingly, past a team like San Antonio that was Right hot out of the gates and ended up tapering off and not even making the postseason. Um, but that's that's a tough uh, brand of hockey to play when you're in slugfests every night and you're just not getting offensive production. And I mentioned the goaltending situation. Obviously, it hasn't been great. But if you can't score goals either, you know the general confidence of your goaltending group is going to be pretty low as well. But um, a not the start I think San Antonio would would have hoped for coming over from the Pacific. Thought maybe a fresh start. Um, you know, a new group may 
revitalize San Antonio a bit. Um, they just run up to do it. They didn't get in the playoffs in any of the three years they were in the Pacific as well. So yeah. it just hasn't worked out over the last few years for them. I think they're just waiting for somebody to, you know, step up and kind of help them out. I mean, you look at a guy like Clem Costin or Costin, I'm not exactly sure how you say his name, but uh, he was a first round pick, 31st overall. And he just, right now, he just can't really get going. Admittedly, I haven't watched a whole lot of their games, uh, so I don't know if it's just a snake-bitten thing or if he's just struggling, but he, he, that's a guy. You know, If you have a first-round pick on your team, I feel like that's a guy you, you kind of expect to come in and, and make waves and really help your organization out, and right now he hasn't, hasn't been able to do that. Um, hopefully it's something that he can fix here you know, going forward. We'll see. I mean, I think last year, I'm just pulling up his stats right now. I mean, last year was kind of more the same. It's six goals, 22 assists. This is his first year here uh, playing in the American Hockey League, so maybe it's a bit of an adjustment. But that's a guy who, if, if they can't get him going, that's, that's going to set them back a bit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Costin, he scored against San Jose last year. To be, like you said, Joe, it's going to be tough really to know a lot about the San Antonio team. I'll do some pre-scouting starting probably tomorrow, Thursday, as we kind of gear up for the broadcast. Haven't looked too far ahead in terms of San Antonio. They're now members of the Central Division, so you don't pay as much attention. We didn't see them a whole lot did. even when they were in the Pacific, Yeah, you play them too. two times there was the most. You'd play them out in San Antonio, and then they'd play you here two times. So it's all, you know, they were part of the Pacific. But you look at the matchups against Stockton. You played Stockton 12 times. You play San Antonio Force. So let's shift our attention just a bit to the night after the Barracuda take on the San Antonio Rampage, and that's the Texas Stars, who, you know, really um, were the benchmark a bit in the Pacific Division, especially last year, making it all the way to the Calder Cup Finals. They won a, a Calder Cup a few years ago before they joined the Pacific. Um, but they've got some names coming back. I mean, they've got the co same coaching staff. Derek Laxdahl, still the head coach there, um, guiding them all the way to that Calder Cup Final, which was – a bit of a surprise, but give Laxdahl a lot of credit. I mean, he's won everywhere he has been. He's won in the ECHL. He's won in the Western Hockey League with the Edmonton Oil Kings. So he has won championships at every single level and was, you know, pretty much inches away from winning a championship in the American Hockey League. But, you know, they've got some players returning. And one guy you got to look back, look at, and you, you know, as as a Johnny Mac type figure, and that's Travis Morin, you know, the veteran forward who has spent almost his entire career, just four games outside of the Dallas Stars organization. He's played a handful of games up in, with the big club, but, you know, he's another guy that at this point in his career, he's probably not going to get another look at the NHL level. But, you know, Morin has been such a, a steady figure for the Texas Stars organization and won a Calder Cup championship. So he's back, and they're off to a quick start. This is at second in that central division. And you thought maybe there would be a hangover. You always see that uh, after a team loses in the final. Um, how are they going to respond the next year? And it hasn't seemed to be an issue for him so far. They've got Dennis Gurionov, a former first-round pick. He is back. Rolpe Hintz, who's a really high-end uh, forward who they're excited about within the Stars organization, the finish forward. So there's some pieces returning. Different goaltending situation. Landon Bow is back. Um, he wasn't a starter last year. So, you know, things have changed quite a bit, and the Stars have struggled in between the pipes both at the AHL and the NHL level. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a, that's going to be fun to go back. I love that building. One of the best in the AHL is HEB Center in Cedar Park. But it uh, should be a good kind of measuring stick for San Jose uh, when they take on the, the Stars on Saturday night. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's the opposite situation of what we were just looking at with San Antonio. I mean, this team is scoring goals, and they're allowing only a couple more. But, I mean, they've played an extra game uh, compared to San Antonio. But they're finding the ways to put, 
puck in the back of the net. And when you look at a guy like Travis Morin, you want to talk about consistency throughout his career. I mean, he's in Texas in Texas since the 2009 season, and he just finds a way to put up points every year. I mean, he's reaching the 20 goal mark. He's putting up 30, 40, 50 assists. I mean, this is a guy who continues to keep things going for the for this team, even though he's one of the veteran guys in the league and on that team. Um, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think Morin's won an MVP in the AHL. I can double check that, but I think he's. He has. I, I don't know about an MVP. Um, we'll have to look that up. I know he has been there since the start in 2009, and they call him Mr. Star uh, in in Austin. He's been a great uh, great piece for that organization as they build it down there in Austin. Um, you know, they get great crowds. The, the goaltender that uh, led the way last year all the way to the finals was Mike McKenna, the veteran netminder, who. Uh, Made it to a Calder Cup final the year before with the Syracuse Crunch. Um, McKenna, a longtime veteran. They brought him in last year to really kind of settle down that goaltending position. Um, and they signed him on a one-year deal, and he did exactly that. He got him all the way to a Calder Cup final. Um, and this year, he's up now, or he's now with the Belleville Senators. So he signed a free, as a free agent with the Ottawa Senators organization. Played in a couple games uh, in the NHL as well last year. Did McKenna, including one against the Sharks at SAP Center. Um, so that's that's the question I think is really going to, you know, what is the goaltending situation going to be? It's always a question up with the big club, um, and it's always a question at the HL level too. So no McKenna, and, and I think that's going to, as the season progresses, what are they going to get in between the pipes is, is a big question I'll have for the Texas Stars. But they're off to a pretty darn good start, and that uh, again should be a good test for San Jose on Saturday night. Just looking back real quick, 2013-14 season, Warren did win the MVP for the league, so he's... He's a guy, like I said, he just continues to put up numbers and finds a way to get the most out of his teammates. Uh, but, yeah, going back to your goaltending point, it's one of those th- things. We don't see a whole lot of these guys, so you know it'll be interesting to see how it holds up. Luckily, it doesn't seem like we've had too much of an issue finding the back of the net uh, so far this year. Um, so hopefully you know we can take advantage. And we got a lot of new faces, too. So just as we are unsure of how things may go in Texas or what these teams look like, They've kind of got the same outlook, you know, seeing us, too. It's You're not seeing these familiar faces, and uh, they're only seeing us once, twice a year. So we'll see. Yeah, you look at San Jose's numbers so far. You know, they played one more game than everybody except Ontario, who's also played seven games. But they have 27 goals scored. That's the most in the Pacific Division. And that's near the top of the AHL as a whole as well. Everybody's hovering around the six, seven, and eight game mark. So you got to put a bit of an asterisk on it just because some teams have played less, some teams have played more. But, you know, also the production with the goaltending, allowing just the 16 goals thus far, that is, uh, aside from Bakersfield, that is the lowest in the Pacific Division. So the Goal differential for San Jose has obviously been a big point of emphasis this year. Um, the loss on Sunday for the Barracuda, unable to score on the power play, didn't score the night before on the power play after beginning the year five for five on the man advantage, scoring in five straight games. But they're getting production at five on five, and they're getting production up and down the lineup with young, you know, players that are coming in. The expectations were high, but you just never know how the transition will be. But Maxim Latunov starting to hit his stride with goals in back-to-back games. Jaden Hulbwachs with goals in back-to-back games. He has points in every game but one. Francis Perron signed in as a free agent, adding production on the offensive side. I mean, there's so many pieces right now. It's been tremendous, the meshing and the quick kind of chemistry with this group. Everybody's contributing, and I think it gives everybody a lot of confidence when you know, doesn't matter what line, 
that line out there as an opportunity to add some offense. I mean, that's the key. You see teams that win throughout the season, especially teams that, I mean, I know it's early, but teams that go into playoff runs, it's the teams that can roll out four lines and every one of them is a threat to score. Those are the ones that have the most success. And we're in a position where we're doing that right now. It's, and it's early. We got a lot of young guys who knows if they, by the time February comes around, if they hit that wall, I mean, it's always a, a thing with, with new faces. Some guys run into that, uh, have to hurdle that. Uh, I think we're going to be okay, though, knowing that we have so much depth. When you look at a guy like Evan Weinger, wasn't a guy who cracked a lineup to start the season, took a little while, gets in one game in Stockton, and lights it up, makes the most of his opportunity. Now he's a guy who I don't know if you can take out a lineup right now. A guy like Matt Fontaine, we've talked about it a little bit, started off the season, he was in the lineup every day. He's a guy who this past weekend was in the lineup for the two games against Stockton, who I thought was one of those guys who he's getting power play time, penalty kill time. Didn't think he'd find himself you know, on the lineup for two games, but with us, this roster being so deep, you got to find ways to get some guys minutes and, and have guys make the most of their opportunities. So I think it's a good situation. There's, there's a lot of internal competition uh, with this group to, to get them to where they need to be. Looking back at the weekend, I mean, we talked about Sunday. Uh, it's tough to, yeah, we, we scored those two goals to kind of cut back into the game, but, that second period was tough. We spent a lot of time on the on the penalty kill. It's just very tough to generate chances when you're shorthanded so often. So. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I find is so interesting when you have all these new faces because the coaching staff, you know, they're gonna get it. They're gonna have an idea what a player is gonna be when he comes in. But he's coming from junior. There's there's no way to really measure that. You know, the difference between being a pro and being in juniors. And you saw it a couple years ago with Jake Middleton. He was signed as a free agent to an AHL deal. And he was in and out of the lineup for the first few weeks. You know, he's a healthy scratch. All of a sudden, you get about a quarter into the season, and he's a regular. Mm -hmm. So I think it, there's, a, there's a period for the coaching staff. There's this adjustment period to kind of find who they want. For Fontaine, I think the way he's been playing, you know, doesn't indicate back-to-back -back healthy scratches. I don't know, but my hunch says that there's something going on in terms of an injury situation. Um, Fontaine, he hasn't scored. But they put him in every situation. They had him in the penalty or in the shootout. They put him, like you mentioned, on the power play, on the PK. I mean, he's played in all situations. And in my opinion, from, from my vantage point in the broadcast booth, he hasn't played bad. So it just makes you think maybe there's an injury situation because, you know, Lucas Radil is out right now with an injury. So there, there are another, there's another injured player. So it's not like there's just too many forwards right at this point. But Yeah, and it's not – it doesn't – you know, he hasn't scored a goal, but it's not like he's not generating chances. I mean, he rung one off the post. He had one slide through the crease. He had the goalie pull one off the goal line. So he's right there, and he's out here. I mean, we're watching practice now. He's out there with – he's not out there with a – you know, one of the lower lines, he's out there with guys like Alexander True, guys who pick up a lot of minutes. So, like you said, it's not, I don't think it's an indication of the way he's played or anything like that. It's just it, at some point, it's a, it's a numbers game. And you got to get as many guys minutes as you can. Yeah, we're broadcasting from Stanley's here at Solar for America. So we're actually watching morning skate as we speak. Do you see Fonts right now? And we can maybe get an idea of if he's going to be in the lineup just on the fact of what jersey he's wearing. They he, put all the he was down here. It looks like he's out with uh, John Martin and Alexander True. And speaking of a guy who's kind of improved year over year, John Martin, I thought, has looked pretty solid these you know first couple games. He's a guy who's kind of been back and forth, teetering in and out of the lineup you know, last year. But it seems there are times where he just shows flashes of that guy who scored so many goals playing the WHL. And the, the reason that they signed him, and he's a big body. He throws his weight around. 
which is what you want on somebody, you know, for somebody who's going to be on your, your energy and checking line. So, And Martin, for his size, once he kind of gets the Jets going, I mean, he can fly. Yeah, he can move. There's just a consi- – I think, you know, there's been a consistency issue o- over his career. I mean, he flashed last year. You saw some games, you, you know – your jaw dropped in some of the plays. You'd be rushing up ice and you'd wire one inside the net and you're like, maybe, you know, it's starting to come together for him and then you'd have other games where you didn't see him as much. But I agree. I think Martin's been pretty good this year and he's just another depth guy and another big heavy body that other teams have to deal with because some of the Barracuda forwards aren't the largest, including a guy like Matt Fontaine, um, not the biggest of guys, Jaden They're You know, these are two guys under 5'10", but, you know, they're slithery. You don't take big checks. Um, obviously, you know, they've made a career um, at that size being undersized. But to have a guy like Martin be able to throw him in the lineup, be physical and kind of weigh on other teams, beat him down in the war of attrition, I think, uh, you know, you can't uh, understate having some large bodies in the lineup. I mean, the scoring touches there, too. It's something that obviously the scouting staff saw in him when they signed this guy out of uh, out of juniors. His last year playing in WHL, he split some time between a couple teams, but put up 41 goals I mean he's a guy who can find the back of the net it's just the the consistency uh, is is starting to to come along more and more I feel like as he just gets more comfortable playing with the pro game and and finding out you know what his role is uh, within the organization kind of being that heavy body and throwing some weight around and I think too the coaching staff has recognized that two years ago obviously with a really loaded team they made it all the way to the conference finals you know he was one of the odd guys out um, the reason why they sent him down to Allen for a bit where he got, you know, a handful of games. Last year, he never went down. So I think that's a good sign that he's one of those forwards in the mix, whether he's that 13th or 14th forward. Um, he's one of the guys that is considered every single day when they put the lineup together. So uh, Martin, yeah, making strides and excited to kind of see where his game is going. This is the final year of his contract. So um, he signed a three-year entry-level deal. Um, and this is his third year. So this is make or break with the organization. If he can make an impact, he could potentially, you know, um, get another look. So big year for John Martin. And I like the way he started so far. Uh, he's displayed the speed. He's had the effort. And uh, it's exciting. But there's so many forwards. You really have got to make an impact every night. If you don't uh, have any production, you have an opportunity to be a scratch the next night. And healthy competition is a good thing. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, going back to Fontaine, maybe that's... Maybe that's what it is with Fontaine. He hasn't been able to find the back of the net, so they're trying to give some guys some other opportunities, and it's nothing against the way he's played. I mean, like we said, they put him put him in a lot of situations, but I mean, they're just trying to find the a little bit something to get his juices back. I mean, you, you see it all the time, and I feel like, like you said, there is that feeling out process for the first couple weeks and games with the coaches trying to figure out who's who. Yeah, you have camp and everything, but to really see what they're like, I mean, I'm a... I'm a big football fan. I equate a lot to the way the kind of the, the Patriots handle themselves the first couple of weeks of the season. Everybody can you know get themselves in a bit of a panic if they lose a game or two or if their defense looks bad. But it's all Bill Belichick just trying to figure out you know what works, what systems are the best, what guys are going to help them win the most. And then as you get later in the season, you start solidifying that lineup, and that's when the team really hits their stride and you know hopefully wins a championship, right? So I think that's what we're hoping for here is that once the coaching staff kind of gets a good grasp on which guys are going to lead the way and, and help us win some games, we'll, we'll start seeing a little bit more consistency, and then hopefully it ends uh, in June with a championship. Absolutely. Well, let's just put it out there. Joe is a huge Boston sports fan, and I think that's a good example for the Pats. There's t- you know Everybody every year with the Pats, they think they're, they're out, they lose one game. They lost to the Lions this year, and they thought, oh, there he goes. 
Belichick here. Coach, Brady is too old. Well, we, we've all seen that story. So, you know, shifting back to hockey. I think it's a good analogy, though, with the, you know, with the Barracuda. One thing is, it was such a hot start. The coaching staff, they didn't, they're like, well, why would we change the lineup? That's yeah, kind of how it works. Tough. You wins, things don't usually change. But, uh, you know, Coach Sommer joked after, um, I think it was game four or five, um, when he finally put, uh, he changed up the D a bit. He got Zach Fry in and he got Tom's Gregoire. And he joked, if I didn't get these guys in now, I may not get them in for the entire month. So, you know, we've got to remember sometimes it is de- a developmental league. You're mm-hmm. winning. You don't want to change the lineup, but you got to get guys in. And I like the way Gregoire played. Unfortunately for Fryzy, he took a puck to the face in the second period. Didn't even really get a ton of ice time because there was already 7D. So, um, he's he's been out there. I mean, he's in. I mean, I saw him the next day. Mm-hmm. He's been in good spirits. Lost yeah. a couple teeth. That's tough. Yep. That happens. That's part of the game. Uh, I mean, I think he's really lucky. He didn't. There was no head injury there. A lot of times, you guys see guys get hit with a puck. They can they can get concussion symptoms and things like that. So luckily, he didn't have that issue. Um, he's out. I mean, we're looking at him. He's out there now. He's got the the, the full bubble going. So. I mean, he's a guy. It's it, luckily it's not keeping him off the ice, but uh, you know who knows how long it'll be before we see him back in the lineup. I would like to think that they wait until you know he's he's really ready to go before they put him out there. So uh, he's a guy too, though, who I'm interested to see more of this year. We saw him late at the end of the year last year. wasn't uber productive for us, um, but you know coming in from the the college ranks, it, it can be tough to adjust right away. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see you know, what he can bring to the table, you know, here in a full season. Yeah, absolutely. In his final year at uh, Alaska Fairbanks, where he wore a bubble. So this is back to maybe some comfort. I was going to, you know, what? I was going to ask that today, why he was, as opposed to wearing a cage, why he decided to go with a bubble. Because I feel like most college kids wear cages. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of It split. depends. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of depends on the team too, but I don't know. Seems like more, more so even where the where the bubble. They do fog up though. I think that's one of the issues. But yeah, I mean he led uh, college hockey, if I'm not mistaken, when in penalty minutes his final year, which yeah. is hard to do in college hockey because you just there's no fighting and you know. But that's the type of game he wants to play. He also had 11 goals, 23 assists, you know, in 35 games. So he he has a, an offensive touch as well. But that's a big transition coming from Alaska Fairbanks and the WCHA Western Collegiate Hockey Association. So you know. There's going to be an adjustment, and there's so much depth on the back end all of a sudden. With Kyle Wood coming in and Keaton Middleton coming in, Thomas Gregoire, you know, there's, there is uh, a lot of depth all of a sudden. And I really like the way that uh, Jeremy Waugh is coming back from his injury. Nick Simone is putting up points. Um, Kevin Fitzgerald coming back from injury. You know, Waugh and Fitzgerald have kind of been, um, you know, locked down a defensive pairing right there. So... It's just a lot of depth. Competition is a great thing, and I think that's one of the reasons why San Jose has had some early success is there's a lot of guys that can be, you know, effective players, and they got to compete for jobs and practice every day, and um, it, it's, uh, it's working out so far when they get into some game action. Yeah, no, the, I, the defense, as good as they've been defensively, the, I think one of the exciting pieces is that they are a pretty good group offensively, too. I mean, Waugh has offensive touch. Fitzgerald has offensive touch. DeSimone, I mean, Kyle Wood, who we really haven't seen. We've seen him make some, he's got some good hands, I tell you. Sometimes he makes some moves at the blue line that are very impressive for a guy his size. Uh, I'm still waiting for him to really let loose on one of those slap shots. I mean, we've seen him wire a couple in years past, and I'm excited to let him see him absolutely just let one rip. Uh, 
but the the offensive upside is there too, and that helps if if for some reason the you know, your your four line, four forward lines really can't get things moving. It's nice to have you know look back at the defense and and have them be able to chip in too. Absolutely, and Kyle, what he's had a, a two multi-point games this year, four total assists on the year. He's not scored, but you mentioned he does have a heavy shot. He, he was able to kind of let one of those go against his former team, the Tucson Roadrunners, on that Monday night tilt at San Jose won in a shootout. But his former teammate Tunner Miska made a, a really nice glove save. But you know when he can step into one, he's six foot five, two hundred. 30 plus pounds he's he's an absolute unit so you know if he can really get one going i love that word by the way um but you know what's fun about this podcast this is our first one we just kind of can we just we're just going we're just going yeah, with it's, the flow it's, maybe yeah, we get some more structures we continue but for now we're just going to free free will it a bit. yeah maybe have some segments things yeah. like that I, it's it's going to be one of those things yeah, too. Just, we, we adjust as we go along yeah. and there will be more you know, there'll be days where it's more lighthearted, more days where it's a little bit more serious. And I don't know, we're just kind of, we're winging it, right? We're just going yeah, with the flow and seeing We wanted happens. to start one for a long time. I mean, I think it's going to be a good resource for fans. It's another thing for people to kind of s- listen to. You can listen to whether you're working out or, you know, whatever you're doing, like in the office, getting work done. I listen to podcasts all the time. So hopefully it's something you enjoy. Working out, listen to it while you're working out. Yeah. I don't yeah. think anybody's going to get too pumped up listening no, to my voice. No, you don't voice, get pumped up. <laughs> no, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe they lose their energy. I listen to, you know, yeah, I'll listen to a podcast when I work out. I'll be laughing and stuff, but. We'll yeah, get some interviews to some, yeah. some live guests as opposed to some pre-recorded things. You know, hopefully have a couple of people sit in, mm-hmm. you know, you know, talking on the, the marketing side. We talk about the promotions and things like that uh, that we've got coming up you know, with these, especially with these alumni games. I want to get guys, you know, hopefully some of those people to come on, say a word or two about you know, their life and experiences playing in the AHL, how important that is. Dan Rusinowski is a guy who spent a lot of time in the American Hockey League uh, before, you know, coming to work for the Sharks. So getting to hear his his stories and experiences, uh, there's there's no shortage of opportunities here. Yeah, so you threw, you think you threw it up on the on the Instagram or the Twitter? We already have a fan wearing a Cleveland mo- or Cleveland. Well, it's Cleveland Barons jersey. Oh, they're out there. Cleveland Barons, and they're sweet. Yeah, I'm, a, I I'm like very, those. I mean, as the marketing and manager, I am <laughs> excited to uh, really get this, you know, throwback series off the ground. It's something we've talked about for a long time. And uh, to finally bring it to life, I think, not only just recognize the, the history that the, the Sharks have had with their affiliates, but really bring some of those old school teams back to life. The response has been great. People, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. Kentucky Thoroughblades logo is one of a kind. <laughs> that is an, just a jacked up horse with a horseshoe tattoo, skating. Just, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to play against that guy if he was an actual hockey player. But the logo is pretty sweet. The Cleveland Barons with the top hat and the monocle. You can't beat that kind of stuff. Obviously, I'm from Worcester, so I'm partial to the Worcester Sharks jerseys as well. It's, it's going to be exciting. we got the giveaways that go with it. We'll have alumni, potentially some current Sharks guys in the mix as well. So it's going to be fun kind of honoring those teams. And like you said, there's there have been – we saw the Cleveland Bears jersey the other day. I know people have Kentucky jerseys. I know people have Kansas City jerseys because we get mentions about it on social media all the time. People say that they can't wait to bring them out uh, and wear them for that day. Now, I encourage you. You don't just have to wear them that day. You can wear them whenever you want. We're happy to see them. The more we see them, the you know, the the more we know that this type of thing is is going to make people excited and get people ready for those games. But 
we got a lot of good stuff coming up this year, promotions wise. So ready to get it going. I think the first big one's November 18th with the Cleveland Barons game. So uh, that's kind of our first big giveaway of the year, and hopefully that gets the ball rolling going forward. Yeah, I'm excited to get some specialty nights. Those are always the best in terms of attendance. They're always, you know, the most exciting, the most hype. People get excited for them and give away too. Question for you. With the Worcester Sharks, you mentioned your partial with Worcester Sharks. Do they still have the Worcester Junior Sharks, or did they change into the Worcester Junior Railers? Right now it is the Junior Railers. So okay. it's, uh, and I feel like a lot of teams have that where they have the youth. It's same same thing out here with the the junior sharks where they have that affiliation. Uh, I'd like to see the Cuda do something like that, but that's you know that doesn't just happen overnight. That's, those are long discussions and things like that. But yeah, it'd be pretty cool. We but. have, I mean, we have such a unique situation with the with the NHL club here. You know that uh, you've already had junior sharks you know established, but it would be kind of cool. We had the we had the youth team go to China. Yeah, there was a youth team that went and played in China uh, this past summer. They wore barracuda jerseys. It was it was uh it was pretty cool. I actually I haven't I never really followed up to get any feedback on how they did. Uh, I'd imagine they won, obviously, <laughs> but uh, no, it's a, it's I mean anytime you get to go and play, you know, in another country and represent you know a team that you're passionate about that's that's awesome I mean, i'm johnny mack playing in the olympics last year i mean getting that opportunity is cool and for a kid i mean i believe these kids were peewee age hockey players to go and play and put on a san jose jersey and and represent our team which is relatively new in the hockey world that's pretty cool yeah, absolutely. That was that was that was exciting for me to just see the saw a couple of pictures of the guys in the jerseys and that was definitely a lot of fun. So no, I think we're ready to wrap this one up. This is our first Cuda Confidential podcast. You know, I think we got we stayed on track. We got off the rails. We stayed on track. You know, it's all fun. So we'll uh, we'll continue to do this. Hopefully, this is going to be a weekly thing uh, throughout the season. Obviously, dictating on when our schedule is, and we have a lot of weekday games this year, more so than in the past. So that may affect some consistency. But for the most part, we're going to try to get one up every week, and. Uh, we hope you join us. It was fun. So yeah, this is good. Looking forward yeah. to it. Hopefully, hopefully it's an every Wednesday kind of deal. And yeah, we'll just hope. Hopefully, we don't ramble as much as we did today. We're to try to keep it concise for yeah, everybody. We'll get, a, we'll get a structure going. But today we're just kind of uh, we're going with the flow. It's good. We're excited about it. Like you said, this is something we've talked about for a while. Um, a nice thing for fans to have, and it's something I've, I've seen more and more around the AHL uh, just this year alone. I mean, I know San Diego has one. Utica has a podcast, so it's it's becoming more and more popular, and we're trying to keep up with the times here, mm-hmm. so we're getting on mm-hmm. board. This took me a while because I, I I'm not very tech savvy, so no. you know we got to find different solutions. So. We got some help though. Big, we got to give a shout out to Aaron Fonseca. Yep, our yep. our PA Those guy. Intros unreal. He's helping us out a lot, making sure you know we've got everything we need, helping us hit the ground running here, and and have things sound nice and professional. Uh, so big thank you to Aaron for helping us out with that. Yeah, the podcast wizard. One more time, we'd like to remind fans that the Barracuda are in action this weekend in the Lone Star State. They'll take on the San Antonio Rampage. It's a 5.30 Pacific start time, 7.30 in Texas. And then the following night, a 5 o'clock start against the Texas Stars. Um, we do want to remind fans that on Friday, we will be tape delayed if you're trying to catch the game on AM 1220 KDOW. That'll be kicked back to uh, a 7 o'clock start on the tape delay. So if you want to find it live, no problem. 
If you have the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, you can listen there. You can also go to sjbarracuda.com slash listen. That'll take you directly to our Mixler page, which you can also listen to live. And then for a small fee, you can watch live on AHL TV. So there's plenty of options. We will not be on the radio live right at puck drop. It will be a tape delay. So if you want to listen to the game live, I think everybody nowadays probably has a smartphone. And if you don't, you have some sort of uh, internet-connected device that you can go to our website. Again, sjbarracuda.com slash listen. And you can go to those locations throughout the year if that's if you want to have a one-stop shop. So we'll say so long. We'll wrap this one up, our first-ever CUDA Confidential podcast. Joey, appreciate it. We'll say uh, so long, and we'll uh, catch you guys on the airwaves uh, this upcoming Friday in San Antonio. I will have a call. Joey will not, but uh, he'll get back on board for our podcast. I'll be there in spirit. Yes, he will be. I'll be there. He'll be running lots of social items and stuff. So appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. (laughs) 